Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Podcast. I am here with De- Donald Byrne, CEO of Corbin. How's it going, Donald? Very good, very good. How about how the company started? Oh, well, at the very beginning. So we started the company on the back of an idea that uh, John Lewis, who was the, the founding uh, professor of mathematics and physics out of the Dublin Institute of Advanced Studies, he he and his team of um, PhD students had come up with an answer to what I felt was a really important question at the time, which was how do we quanti- quantifiably assure quality of service on the Internet? So, so it was this idea that uh, if you wanted a particular service to run with a guaranteed quality of service, what was the quantified amount of bandwidth and resource that would have to be used to do that? And of course, the internet to that point in time was really a best effort service, meaning you put your traffic out there and you hope that it got a good service. There was no real, there was mechanisms that could prioritize your traffic, but we didn't have a way of being able to deterministically provide a service. And you know, in voice telephony networks, it was way back when a Danish mathematician, Erlang, actually figured out the equivalent solution on voice networks. And it was that answer that quantified the economics of telephony networks ever since. And um, what, what I had come from, I had just done a previous startup, which was a service provider play, and one of the challenges we had is how much was it precisely going to cost on resources as we built out next generation internet to be able to offer these services with guaranteed quality of service. And we had no mechanism for doing that quantifiably. So John had come up with an algorithm which was based on a unique measurement approach to measure internet traffic in a given way that answered that question. And Quite honestly, we started the company on that basis, on that premise, and we got uh, Cisco Systems out of California as an early investor as well because they saw the potential of that, and um, that's how we started. We started in 2000, and uh, uh, our business today is very different, but uh, it's still on the principle. Our business exists today on the principle that the data that flows through the network you can tell amazing things with it. Yeah. So you're basically reading big data. Yeah, so I, I think that the if you look at our business today, what we do is we tap into network-generated big data, and we tap into it on the fly, and we listen to all of the precise communications that machines are making as they conduct business across the network. And the place that we've applied that most uh, readily is into the financial markets uh, in the whole area of trading because in that world today, we have turned over the whole business of trading to machines that are acting autonomously based on software algorithms to make trading decisions and to trade on behalf of businesses. And the best way 
of understanding what precisely they're doing, watching over what they're doing to assure the outcome is not to tap into and ask them what they did, but to actually look at their actions and listen to what they actually did. And the best way to do that is from the network. And it turns out that our unique insight and our ability to harvest or mine the intelligence so that you can recreate precisely what machine actions were taking in fulfillment of that business it turns out that that's a very robust way to be able to monitor, safeguard, and watch over what the machines are doing. How do you make sure it's secure? Well, I think that the whole area of security is probably one of the top problems and challenges that financial markets have today. The SEC quite famously came out with a statement last year saying that security, cybersecurity in today's financial markets is the number one challenge. And the answer to your question is not so straightforward because secure is an absolute. I think that how do we gain better insight and understanding of to the risk and threat level that exists within, say, these, these new modern um, machine machine networks is that the first step as it, as with any security plan is you have to have visibility you have to have, you have to be able to see and detect the behavior in a way that is more advanced than the attacker and so it turns out that we're actually releasing a product uh, next week uh, first of its kind, aimed specifically at the world's uh, financial markets, where we leverage and use the same type of uh, visibility where we're able to watch every single action that the machines are taking. And what we do is we have then a variety of threat intel that's feeding into our system. And so we're able to look at what bad actors are out there, what mechanisms are in play, and then we search in real time for that activity on the network, and if we see that, we make a match and we capture that activity, and then we're able to bring that to the security analysts and give them an appropriate alert. It's quite a sophisticated technology because you have to be able to make sure that you've identified the right behavior and that you only bring to the attention the stuff that's really um, threatening the one that really have an impact but the reason why that is so different is that on these super high speed networks the real main the, the main game in town is speed performance because if you're late to a trade you miss the trade yeah. so, you, so you can't sacrifice speed and you can't sacrifice predictability but as we look at traditional security technologies, like encryption, it slows things down. Yeah. So guess what? No one uses encryption. Yeah. Firewalls are a bump in the road, big bump in the road. Guess what? No one uses firewalls. Um, no one's willing to put agents in their machines, like endpoint detection and, and traditional approaches like that. 
So in these systems, none of that's there. So they're predominantly relying on physical security. And we know that physical security is no longer a deterrent. Once you're connected, you're vulnerable. And so it turns out that the only thing that we can do is what is what we're doing, which is we passively watch all of the traffic as it's passing through the network, and then we act on that. So there's no impact on speed or performance. And also in theory, if you know a certain person is doing the same thing each day, and assuming that trade they're doing is changed slightly, can that be seen as a threat? That's a great question. So one of the big challenges we have is that it's hard to distinguish between the unintentional bad consequence versus the intentional bad consequence. And so hackers will come in and look to masquerade as legitimate good actors with a view to creating bad outcomes and bad consequence. Whereas the modern technology is still uh, open to having false and having errors and having unintended bad consequence. So an example, a pretty famous example, happened a couple of years ago with a company called Knight Capital, which is a, quite a large uh, financial institution. And it turned out that they were traded out of existence by a trading bot over a 20-minute period with an algorithm that had gone wrong. And it was, it was basically a, a, a technology fault and, and, and problem. However, we know today that hacktivists, uh, organizations can come in and masquerade as a high-frequency trader and basically create various denial-of-service attacks which can masquerade as technology mishap. And so to be able to uncover specific behavior and identify that as a as a bad actor is actually quite challenging. It is indeed possible, but one has to look at very specific patterns of behavior and be able to detect that. So it's not a straightforward thing uh, to do. And uh, there's a there's there's a lot more of that happening now. Yeah, I know that if you're abroad with a credit card, they ring you and say, sorry, your card's been brought it's declined because you're not in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that's... Uh, you know, that ends up being a bit of a frustrating policy that some of the credit card holders or the credit card, well, the credit card holders have to endure, which being one of them myself and being and traveling to foreign countries, it's quite frustrating. There's got to be a better way. I'm sure someone's going to figure that out yeah. pretty quickly. But I understand that. I understand the security risk. I mean, I, I get that. But and how do you particularly tell companies that you're going to have to be more secure what they're doing? Well, I think that the the challenge there is that in some respects, everyone feels like it won't happen to them, it'll happen to someone else. Like the really bad outcome won't happen to me, it'll happen to someone else. I think what's happening now, particularly in the world of financial markets, that there's been enough incidents where it has gotten to the front of the Wall Street Journal and to the Financial Times and it has reached the boardroom. And I think once it gets there, the boardroom, uh, the board of directors are asking for concrete answers to what, what is our security stance? What is our security policy? 
And I've seen that now over the last year in particular. And that, quite honestly, that's why we were brought into the picture here because it was our customers who came to us and said, look, you're already watching over all of our trading activity. Um, and we know that you see things that no one else sees. Can you help us with this security challenge? And that, that's why we ended up building the security product that we did because the customers, it was already on their agenda and they needed answers and they didn't have good answers that they could readily use. And I guess your view is you want to make sure they can do it in such a way that speed isn't, isn't going to slow down. Well, I think that's the imperative that, see, once, once your business gets, dare I say, hooked on speed, meaning, meaning that you're leveraging technology to gain some advantage over a would-be competitor, and it can be the speed at which you're able to make a transaction, the speed at which you can win business, and it just it doesn't just apply to the world of, of trading because we have the whole world of advertising has become autonomous as well, where you know the ads that pop up on your computer, um, there's an auction that happens before they're portrayed, and it's all about the speed at which that is done that uh, dictates the winners and losers. But once you go, once you make that transition, then if you slow down, you lose business advantage and so how do you secure the business without impacting performance and as we said most security technologies today have some level of overhead when it comes to performance and speed and so a key part of what we do is to make sure that we're able to offer a security solution that has zero impact guaranteed zero impact on speed. And I guess right now you've got clients also like in Brazil as well and America as well. So I guess with that, they want to have basically a good service that works. Yeah, so we have, we have clients quite honestly all over the world. If you take any of the major financial capitals, you know, whether it's Tokyo, Hong Kong, Singapore, Sydney, uh, uh, Sao Paulo, as you said, uh, all over North America and Europe and, and whatnot. And... What we find with our clients is that the world has become a very small place. Mm -hmm. You know, that the world of super fast networks has made the world a small place. You know, that, uh, and they conduct business on a global scale. And so it used to be the case that people would only transact, say, in New York and London. It's not the case anymore. Like most of our clients have global trading strategies and they're, you know, they're trading round the clock you know, 24 hours a day, the, all, all major markets. And no matter what, your technology has to work. And it has to work in the most challenging environments and under some of the most challenging, difficult scaling scenarios and situations. And quite honestly, in this, in this environment, there are no excuses. It, it can't fail. It, it has, and your data analytics have got to be trusted. Yeah. You know, because if you if you can't trust what your analytics are saying, then you can't run your business. What about crunches like Bitcoin? Well, I think if you look at the whole Bitcoin phenomena, which is still early in its, I would say, full evolution, but I think that if we look at the 
you know, the underlying technology um, of, you know, distributed ledger, then it's definitely going to have a disruptive impact. How exactly it makes its way into, uh, I would say, the fintech environment, we, we still have to see. But it, at this point, it's more a question of when, not if. Because if you look at the types of companies who are now doing serious programs and projects, they are the mainstream of the world's of financial services. I think, though, that it's the potential impact is that it makes everything, uh, it decentralizes everything by its very nature. And so you have much more of a distributed challenge and problem. Uh, and previously, a lot of financial systems were highly centralized, were kind of secured against, uh, you know, within a, a within a bunker, and that's no longer the case. And things like Bitcoin and whatnot is just presents a a different type of challenge, predominantly because of its distributed nature. And I guess with blockchain, is that thing looking as well? Is, is well, blockchain being the underlying technology, so blockchain I see is the more general case of Bitcoin. Yeah. So so when I say distributed ledger, I really mean mean blockchain and and we're seeing now different forms of the blockchain of blockchain technology um, uh, coming to to the marketplace so my same comments apply directly to yeah. blockchain I know that some banks are now using it as a, as a way of security well they're they're using it as a means of of creating a new a new way of tracking uh, transactions and so they're they're seeing it as a distributed secure mechanism to record uh, and keep a I would say a secure and forensically verifiable track record of of transactions and activity and um, yeah it's I think it's an important technology. It's an important technology. So I guess down the line will be one thing on your agenda? Well, I think already we're looking at it, which is that if you look at um, any electronic transaction that, that has blockchain as an underlying mechanism, then how do you track and ver- verify that the, the right uh, chain of custody and the right set of actions actually occurred. So the whole the whole area of monitoring and overseeing uh, that activity as a kind of belts and braces approach is something that we're looking at. And what's next in the agenda for you guys? Ah, beyond uh, beyond world domination, yeah. uh, um, which uh, it was tongue in cheek, by the way. But I think that look. Our view at Corval is that we we feel that we've been given a glimpse of the future. That our work with uh, the financial markets community has given us a glimpse maybe five years into the future as to the future of business. And, and the result of, of that experience is that we believe that all business is going to be ultimately transacted in the machine world. And what I mean by that is that all business will increasingly use faster, smarter machines to conduct business autonomously on their behalf. 
It won't be night and day, but it just means that they'll increasingly use machine learning, artificial intelligence, cognitive processing, and big, fast, smart machines to more automate, to simplify uh, how things are done on behalf of human beings. And so it's our belief that when you go into the restaurant of the future, you will get a menu, maybe on an iPad, and it will have dynamic pricing on it. And when you log on to your machine, you'll have little bots running in the background getting your favorite music tickets. And you will have personal assistants that are, you know, basically figuring out the best health insurance for you. And all of that is going to be happening in an, in an increasingly autonomous paradigm. And so our view on that is being because of our experience of, of watching one of the major industries itself go through that transition is that you need a machine to watch over those machines as it's conducting its business on your behalf. And so our kind of next big thing is to generalize our approach and our products so that they can apply to all of those things and that we can become that platform that safeguards. Uh, what I mean by that is that it assures the client experience and outcome that that intended business process is meant to deliver. It assures, monitors the underlying infrastructure and that it secures and provides the surveillance necessary such that uh, the, the, the risk uh, and the threat from uh, from cybersecurity attack is minimized. Yeah. And I think that's going to be necessary pretty much across all future of business. So I guess long term, are we looking at a cycle with less cash involved? Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, we're, we're going to see, we're going to see the overall transaction volumes increase cash involved in it may be smaller. I mean, if you look at what we do today on financial markets, we have, um, you know, I, I did a I did a rough calculation, and we have um, it's over a trillion dollars a day that we monitor on behalf of our customers. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Because I'm thinking, basically, years ago when you were in the business, there's always cash in hand. Once a week, you get your paycheck, and the guy gave you cash. Now it's all in your bank account. In the future, it could yep. be the case of that user smoke of a smart ticket or a smart card. Sure. Type of things. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's and it, that that's you know that's almost here today. Yeah. Almost here today. In a way, it's kind of scary, but kind of interesting as well. Well, I think technology progress. Fundamental technology progress is always scary in the beginning. Yeah, but it gets if you used to handle fiscal real money, and suddenly it's not fiscal anymore. It's it's somewhere in your account you can't actually feel it. Yes, you have to get used to that aspect as well. Yeah, so you know the same is you know the same is true with our our postal system. I mean, we don't really get too upset that something arrives on email as opposed to a letter being shoved in the door. Yeah, and, and it's just takes time. What's with books and then like Amazon Kindle? Yeah. So you don't actually hold them in a book anymore. So I suppose that you've been slowly immersed and been uh, taught how to actually 
adaptive new technologies. Well, it's the same with your DVD versus uh, the content being held for you in the cloud. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. inevitable. Yeah, I guess so. Right, that's great. Thanks very much for that. Perfect.